Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. We're back with another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined by Gabby Urrutia, and we are here to preview a pretty big game for the Hurricanes season against North Carolina. Pretty big game for the Manny Diaz era, too, if we're keeping it real, as he is coaching for his job. Uh This is kind of a disappointment bowl brought to you by the Spider-Man meme. I feel like both Miami and North Carolina are teams that are underachieving, of course, you know, relative to the preseason expectations uh, for various reasons. But but at the end of the day, it boils down to both teams um, not taking the next step here in year three of their respective tenures of the head coaches, Mac Brown and Manny Diaz. Um, and both fan bases are extremely disappointed uh, going into this game. And this is a game in which both teams can potentially get their seasons turned around um, with the win against, you know, both teams are, are quality teams in terms of personnel and talent. They are just underachieving relative to that personnel and talent. So let's get into it. Um, Let's start, I guess, with kind of the newsy stuff, Gabby. Um, Injury updates. Really nothing new since the last podcast, other than um, we were out at Tuesday's practice. We got eyes on Keontre Smith, who, you know, is back out there practicing. Um, I think the, the thing to relay from what we saw from him during Tuesday's practice, that media viewing window, he, it looked like he was mainly working with like the third team defense um, as, as he's getting back into the rhythm of playing from that knee issue that sidelined him for about a month, maybe a little bit more than a month. Um, my takeaway from that, Gabby, was I'm, I think he – I think we will see him on the field, but I don't think it's necessarily a a plug and play return to your starting duties type of situation. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I don't think that we're going to, I don't think it's going to be like, he's going to get a bulk of the first team snaps at will linebacker. Like we've seen from him in the past. I wouldn't expect that. Yeah. So I I think still a heavy dose of Wayne Steed. Um, and, and, and again, I do think we will see Keontre, but not sure it's, I think it's going to be a situation where he works his way into the playing rotation, mainly due to health. I mean, if, if, right. If we're being real, right. I don't think it has anything to do with, he has to earn his way back or anything like that. Um, just still kind of working his way back. Um, there was also guys out, I guess, Manny Diaz let the media know 
that there were guys out due to uh, illnesses, not COVID related, just kind of your common cold, I guess, that is going through the student body at UM, particularly the, the student body that lives on campus. And that's why some young guys were out, held out of practice on Wednesday uh, with those sicknesses. And some guys we saw Tuesday that weren't out there that I think fall into this category are guys like Cody Brown, the running back, Khalil Brantley, the tight end, um, probably more. It sounds like uh, freshmen were out Wednesday with those common colds. So hopefully it's nothing serious again. And they are able, the guys that are set to travel on the road are able to travel. I think it's also worth bringing up absent from practice were uh, wide receivers slash corner, part-time corner, <laughs> uh, Mark Pope and D Wiggins. Um, also to Sam Brooks. And, you know, I asked Manny Diaz on Wednesday for a status update on these guys. He wouldn't talk specifics in terms of uh, naming which players fall under this category. But he did say there are some older players that are struggling to handle their new roles. Essentially, they are, you know, he's essentially saying Mark Pope, D. Wiggins. I would even group Sam Brooks into this. I don't know if you would, Gabby, but it sounds like these guys are, are not happy with the reduction in playing time. And it sounds like they are, I mean, Manny Diaz didn't say this necessarily. He didn't come out when he could have. He could have come out and said, yeah, they're going to be in the transfer portal. It sounds like things are trending that way. But it also sounds like the door is cracked. If guys want to take a red shirt, uh, you know, get all their feels out this fall, maybe they can come back next year if they want, you know, with a fresh attitude, et cetera. But I think it's fair to say maybe Mark Pope and D Wiggins are going to move on and Sam Brooks will see what happens there. How would you summarize what Manny said on Wednesday? Cause you wrote the article yeah. about the situation. Yeah, no, I mean, basically that, I mean, I, I mean, from what I took of it, it's just basically like, you know, it, it doesn't feel like these guys are going to be back. At least Mark Pope and D Wiggins. Um, again, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, you know, we'll see how things continue to play out. But I mean, I think it's tough when you're an older guy like that, really a fourth year junior. Um, you know, D Wiggins has only played in two games this year. Mark Pope played in one game and that was the central Connecticut game at cornerback. You know, it's just like, it just doesn't feel like, you know, he's a, it just doesn't feel like a situation where these guys are going to like be ha any happier, you know, as the year progresses and moving forward. So I'm not sure I expect either of those two guys back. And then same deal with, with Sam Brooks. Like, I mean, I'm not sure what to make of that. Like I didn't think about really grouping him with the two, just because like, has he seen a ton of playing time to even be like upset about the only role? reason like, I kind of group him. Right. The only reason I group him in there is because he did tweet out what appeared to be. And again, trying to like decipher, you know, young men on social media can be a, a tricky thing to do, but it seemed like following the Virginia Tech or Virginia game, he tweeted something out that would indicate he was not happy with 
the amount of playing time he received. So that's why I group him in there with that, uh, with with Wiggins and Pope. I do think of those three, Brooks is probably the most likely to return. Um, but, you know, again, like I asked Manny Diaz about all these guys on Wednesday. And if Sam Brooks was still dealing with an injury thing, he could have just come out and said, yeah, exactly. You know. and, and the previous week, the bye week, Manny Diaz, you know, the, the infamous fight that took place in practice, that was a positive thing. Um, he definitely, he definitely said on Wednesday that that bye week practices were about who's in, who's out. So he's trying to send a strong message to guys, um, in the locker room. And it'll be interesting to see how it is received and what it, how it manifests in terms of effort and play this Saturday against North Carolina. Uh, from the North Carolina side of things, Gabby, it doesn't seem like the Tar Heels are really dealing with many significant injury issues. So uh, from what I can tell from the outside, right, just reading various reports on the Tar Heels, doesn't seem like they're too banged up right now going into this week's game. So let's jump into the Tar Heels right now. Um, and let's just start here. What worries us most about North Carolina going into this game? I'll let you you take the first talking point. Yeah, uh, I mean, they, they can be explosive. You know, when, when that offense gets rolling, when, uh, you know, when Sam Howell is gets on a roll, um, you know, that they could put up points in bunches, man. Like when they when they sort of get into their groove and when they sort of hit their stride, especially if they hit that stride early on in the game, um, you know, we've obviously seen firsthand what the North Carolina offense is capable of. Um, I don't think that their rushing attack, you're not going to see a Michael Carter, Javante Williams type of deal where you're just going to get carved up in that way. But, you know, Sam Howell's a veteran arm that, um, you know, seems multidimensional, especially, you know, coming into his third year. As the Tar Heels quarterback, you know, he seems to be getting it going with his running game. Um, you know, he's able to extend plays in a way that maybe he hasn't in the past. And, you know, when when he spins it, man, I mean, he's one of the best in the country when he gets when he's sort of like in his in his zone. So, you know, I'm definitely worried that the Tar Heels can just I, I feel like any given Saturday, that's a team that's capable of putting up 45 plus. So um, that's what probably worries me most about North Carolina coming into this one. What is. And I agree, right? When when they are clicking, they are a scary offense to defend, right? Um, but they have taken a step back Absolutely. from last year. Do you just attribute that to personnel because they're missing, you know, Diami Brown as an outside receiver, yeah. vertical threat? Um, Daz Newsom. I, I feel like Josh Downs has mm -hmm. replaced Daz Newsom as a yeah. slot guy, right? Yeah. Uh, but still, Daz Newsom was good too last year, and then. Of course, those two running backs, yeah. you know, two NFL caliber running backs that are playing now. Um, I think, you know, North Carolina, if we're being real, had the best rushing attack in the country last year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that one-two punch. And when you have that type of rushing attack, it can cover up a lot of deficiencies, number one. And number two, it can... It also takes a lot of pressure off your quarterback. And I'm not saying Sam Howell is bad by any means. I am a big Sam Howell fan, um, but he is having to carry more of the load this year, right? Is there anything else you're seeing that maybe, because I agree, like the ceiling flashes for this North yeah. Carolina offense this year, but the consistency isn't there. 
Yeah, it, it's it's been it's been way off, and I mean, at times it's it's been way off. I mean, a lot of the times it feels like it's been way off, and yeah, I mean, I think the personnel has a lot to do with that. You don't have the outside guys like the the Deami Browns, yeah, uh, even like the Bo Corral. I feel like Bo Corrales was like a good weapon yes. for them too. Like he's not around either. It does feel like those outside guys aren't sort of what they've been in the past. I don't even think it's really Agreed. close. Um, you know, I think Ty Chandler is a pretty good back. Um, I think Hood too is a guy that you know, can be serviceable too, but I don't think there's even a comparison between what they had last year. So, yeah, I mean, I absolutely feel like a lot of it has fallen on the shoulders of Sam Howell and uh, you know, he's had to maybe force things at times that maybe weren't there just trying to make a play with that big arm. And uh, you know, that's worked out at times at other points. It hasn't, um, you know, I don't think the offensive line has been all that great either, but uh, you know, right. again, this is a team that, I mean, Josh Downs alone at any given point can just carve up your defense. So Right. You know, you definitely got to focus in on him, zero in on him. And, you know, just him being on an, on that offense period makes them dangerous. So, you know, that that's probably why, you know, just him being as explosive as he is. I mean, he, he you see him making plays from the slot. Like, you know, obviously he'll catch little 10-yard hitches and take them to the house, or he'll just find, you know, you give Sam Howell some time, and Josh Downs can find a way to make a play downfield as well. So don't just think of him as, like, a guy that is primarily going to catch, like, you know, these little dink and duck crossers or whatever. Like, he can get downfield. And he can make plays too. So they do have a guy, but again, it's been, it's, it, I don't think it's even close to what they had last year. Right. The depth isn't there in terms no. of explosive personnel around Sam Howell. And just my, my view on it, it does seem like it's a combination of things, right? It's like anything in life. It's not a black or white issue. Yeah. It's a lot of gray area. It's a lot of, it's a lot of different things going on. It, you know, at times the offensive line, is failing this offense, both in pass protection and run blocking. Mm -hmm. I think it does seem like uh, the outside receivers at times struggle to create separation. It does seem like at times Sam Howell straight up does not trust the outside receivers on the Tar Heels. Like he doesn't even really look at them. Like at times it seems like Sam Howell zeroes and on Josh Downs so yeah. much. And it's like, okay, if Josh Downs isn't open. Like it's busted. It's a busted play. Well, yeah, I'm taking off and running, right? Yeah. And, and the numbers indicate too, like Sam Howell is taking on more of a run load this year. You compare him like to every other quarterback in the country. He is second in the country in scramble yards wow. with 286 scramble yards, number one is Nebraska's Adrian Martinez. Um, Sam Howe also being used a lot too on design runs. He has 252 yards on design runs too. He's forced 29 missed tackles, which is a very impressive number. I, I mean, yeah. that's second most in the country too, um, trailing only Malik Willis. And then, you know, he's taking some big hits too uh, when he runs the ball. He's, he is averaging, though, I will say 4.95 yards per carry uh, after contact, which is, I mean, that's that those are numbers that running backs don't really put up. But yeah. of course, with quarterbacks, it's a smaller sample size, et cetera, in terms of attempts. But yeah, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, touching on Josh Downs, right? Bringing it back to him. He reminds me a lot just because he is a five foot 10 slot guy extremely quick accelerating wide receiver uh, also has elite top end speed, but the way he can accelerate to his elite top end speed 
reminds me a lot of Santana Moss back in the day, um, just with his build as well. So you get Josh Downs the ball in space. He's going to make you pay. He has scored a touchdown in every game this year, and he is third in the country in receiving yards with 741 receiving yards. But again, they're very heavily reliant on Josh Downs in this passing attack. He has 70 targets on the year, and there's only one other receiver, Emery Simmons, that has more than 20 targets on the year. Emery Simmons has 26 targets. So um, again, it does seem like Sam Howell necessarily doesn't really trust the other receivers or they're not getting open or a combination of both. Um, but that is something to sort out, um, for their offense moving forward. Um, let's, let's talk about the guy that needs to step up for Miami. Who would you highlight there? Yeah, man, I'd probably go, I'm, I'm probably going to go to one of the defensive ends. I'm probably going to go to like Jafari Harvey. Um, you know, I thought, I mean, I was just, I just watched the Georgia tech game a little while ago. They collected eight sacks in that game. Um, you know, they had a defensive end, Kyle Kennard. He had two sacks, three tackles for loss, uh, getting to Sam Howell, I think is a big key here. Again, like what you mentioned, David, he's going to look at, he's going to look at Josh Downs a lot. I mean, if not, he's looking at him and he's looking to push the, the ball down the field a lot, if he's not taking off. And I think getting to him before he scrambles is a huge deal. I thought Georgia Tech did a really good job with that. So I'm looking at Jafari Harvey to be an impactful guy off the edge, sort of just be able to set the edge, get to the quarterback, um, all that type of stuff. I think that he could be, I think he's, I think he's a guy that really needs to sort of come out and, and just to pass, really the pa- I'm looking at the pass rush and when I'm thinking pass yeah. rush, I mean, I'm thinking Jafari Harvey. So, I mean, it could be Chance Williams. I think there's an argument for that. Um, either one of these guys to sort of step up and, you know, really make things uncomfortable for Sam Howell. Cause I think that's one of the keys to sort of, you know, containing that, that North Carolina offense. Yeah. Going into this week's game, Sam Howell was tied for the, the, I don't know if you call it leader, but he was sacked the most of any quarterback in the country coming into this week's game. I think he was sacked about 24 times. So um, Miami's pass rush, I think it's fair to say this is the least potent pass rush of any Miami pass rush of the Manny Diaz era. Um, I don't think it's necessary. Like they do have talent up front. They need to start finishing sacks though. They need to start getting guys on the ground. And I agree. That's a big, that's a guy that does need to step up Jafari Harvey and, or all the defense events for that matter. Um, I'll go the flip side of the ball, right? I'll go to Tyler Van Dyke. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of an easy one to pick, but when you look at this, when you look at this North Carolina defense, right. And how they're performing against opposing quarterbacks, there's some interesting trends, right? Um, one of the first trends that stands out is how they do struggle with dual threat quarterbacks. Um, all three of their losses have been to dual threat quarterbacks. Uh, Braxton Burmeister, Virginia tech, uh, Jeff Sims from Georgia tech and Jordan Travis from Florida state, right? You could argue, you could argue those are the three most dynamic athletes in the ACC at quarterback. Like, you know, Malik Cunningham dessert deserves to be in that conversation as well. Um, but they like those three guys in their wins over North Carolina, they didn't necessarily put up a ton of, uh, passing 
stats, passing yardage stats against them, but they were extremely efficient um, with their completion percentages. They all threw for at least one touchdown, uh, didn't turn the ball over uh, outside of Burmeister, I guess. And they all ran for a touchdown. And you look, you look at Jeff Sims, he ran for a 50-yard touchdown. Jordan Travis, he ran for a 53-yard touchdown. Now, why am I talking about dual threat guys? I mean, Tyler Van Dyke is not that, right? Like I do think yeah. I do think he can pick up yardage as a sneaky runner at times. And I do think, but and I do think it's worth highlighting that because generally speaking, in in these first six games, North Carolina's secondary plays a lot of man coverage. And when you're a defense that plays a lot of man coverage, it allows for quarterbacks uh, to scramble for yards because generally speaking, the back seven, you know, outside of probably the safeties will have their backs to the quarterback and they won't necessarily see a quarterback take off and run in scrambling situations till it's too late and they're running for yardage, which was an issue I would say with Braxton Burmeister, Jeff Sims and Jordan Travis. Um, so is Tyler Van Dyke necessarily going to run for a hundred yards? No, but I do think the potential is there for him to scramble and maybe pick up third and fives. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's worth highlighting, but then on the flip side, right? Like you look at Virginia, Brennan Armstrong, he can run as well, but he's mainly a pocket passer. He had a huge day passing against North Carolina, 554 yards through the air with four touchdowns and one interception. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is North Carolina in general has struggled to contain quarterbacks, whatever their strengths are. Um, And this is going to be the first road start for Tyler. So there's a lot on his plate. It's a new challenge. Um, but I do think the potential is there for him to have a productive game um, if he takes the next step from that second half performance against Virginia. Yeah, I think taking that next step is, is, is exactly what he, like, what he would have to do. Again, it's like what these quarterbacks do well, it's typically what North Carolina tends to struggle against. Again, Brandon Armstrong, obviously a great downfield passer. Uh, you know, Jeff Sims, Jordan Travis, obviously their first priority is what they could do with their legs and stuff. My, my thing is just like, does Tyler Van Dyke do anything well enough right now where it's just like, we know that he's going to be able to do this. That's where I struggle with like yeah. the, it's like, a question. He yeah, has it's a question. Answer. Exactly. And that's why I'm not sitting here like, like confident. Cause I was, if, if I was like, if anything, we know Tyler Van Dyke is going to do this. And like with, with Brennan Armstrong, if anything, we know he's going to throw the ball downfield. We know he has that arm to do that. With Jeff Sims, we know he can run it. With Jordan Travis, we know he can run it. I'm not like, my thing is just like, we don't know what Tyler Van Dyke's thing is, like who really is he? And um, so that's what worries me about about Tyler Van Dyke in this situation. But yeah, I think that there's a huge opportunity for him to to sort of step up and establish himself here in this game, just because again, this this defense typically has struggled, whether it is against the pass or it's against the run or anything like that. Um, Just in one of those dominant sort of phases there, there's an opportunity there. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I think they're like 109th and pass efficiency defense. Yeah. Right. So again, like Tyler, I would say, I think Tyler has the potential to be at least an efficient quarterback, you know, 
a guy who can feed the ball to the receivers at a decent completion percentage. Um, so it could be an encouraging game for Tyler Van Dyke at the end of the day on Saturday, or it could be highly discouraging if he's unable to take advantage of what appears to be a North Carolina pass defense that, that has really struggled this season um, to play with efficiency. Let's move on to potential player of the game. Who are you taking? Yeah, man. I was telling you about this guy on Tuesday, David. I'm rolling with it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop on board. I'm going with Jalen Knighton, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I do think that, I mean, you look at, I mean, just key, I, I just, uh, what, just something I noticed with all of, all of North Carolina's, I guess, closest games or just like close games to the halftime or just like, or so in there, in their loss to Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech held the ball 34 minutes, 59 seconds. Georgia Tech held it 29 minutes, 55 seconds. Florida State, 29 minutes, 48 seconds. Virginia, 32 minutes, 41 seconds. I think you need to be able to run the ball. I think you need to be able to establish that run. Again, you want to get North Carolina off that rhythm. You don't want them to be able to just like, you know, put together a scoring drive. You know, you go slow on offense. They get the ball back. They string together another scoring drive, and then you get yourself in trouble. A lot of that has to do with how well you run the ball, how well you're able to move the sticks and all that stuff. Um, you know, Florida State, 238 total rushing yards. Georgia Tech, 261 total rushing yards. Both of those pretty, I feel like, pretty significant wins, um, you know, pretty clear wins. And so, you know, I think Jalen Knighton is going to be a big part of that that rushing attack. Um, I mean, I, again, David, I think we, should, we talked about it. Um, we were excited about some of the things we saw from him. I think we still want to see a little bit more. But, um, you know, again, Tyler Van Dyke is probably not going to be the guy that runs for a bunch of yards. So if Miami wants to win this game, um, I'm looking at a guy like Jalen Knighton to be able to, you know, really open things up for, for Miami Cameron Harris too. But I think Jalen Knighton has the potential to sort of be a guy and, uh, you know, really hopefully get things rolling the way we sort of saw in that second half against Virginia tech. Hopefully that can carry on into this one. And I think Jalen Knighton could have a, a pretty good, big game potentially. And I think if, if he does, um, I think he'd give Miami, you know, a better chance to win. I agree. I like that pick um, from, from when you watched North Carolina, right uh preparing for this podcast their defense um how do you feel like they did their run defense you know against the running backs because we've talked about how teams have scrambled against them has their run defense been good in your opinion i think it's been okay i think it's probably been a little bit better um than it is against the scrambling quarterback i think that definitely opens things up i think that has opened things up um, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I thought Jameer Gibbs was, was pretty good. Again, nothing like super explosive. Not, I didn't see like, you know, huge gushing runs from, from the running backs or anything like that. Um, so I think, uh, with Florida state, I think it was Trayshawn Ward who had a pretty good game. I think he had like 77 total rushing yards. Again, not expecting a 130 yard performance from anyone, but just a guy that can consistently get the running game going. Right. So, um, you know, I, I didn't think, I, I thought they were okay. Not great. Not I agree. Really terrible either. Yeah, that's my sense on them too. Like, I do think, I think their D line is actually pretty good. At I think Miles Murphy. Miles Murphy is a, is a good player. Number eight. Yeah. Right. He's their interior D lineman. Yeah. Can play inside. Can play a little outside too. Um, he's a good run de- run defending defensive mm-hmm. lineman to me, because you know Miami's having their their run issues as well. I think it's it's for Miami. It's a leverage. It's a angle issue and it's a tackling issue of course uh for north carolina to me it it seems like mainly just an angle issue uh 
the back seven guys take some bad yeah. angles from time to time. I don't think tackling's necessarily the issue with them though. Um, but I agree. Like it, Miami, if they're going to win this game, Cam Harris, Jalen Knighton, one of them and or both, right, uh, need to have a productive game running the ball. Um, so that's a good pick. I'll go Charleston Rambo just because I, I do anticipate, you know, unless North Carolina gives Miami different looks compared to what they've shown this season, I think Rambo's going to get a lot of one-on-one looks, uh, man coverage looks. And this is why he was brought to Miami, right? Miami last year couldn't win those one-on-one outside battles in the passing game. Rambo has done that, I would say, this year, you know, pretty well. Um, when Whenever he's got those opportunities, he's come down with them. I do feel like Tyler Van Dyke understands, hey, if Rambo is one-on-one, I need to just chuck the ball, give him a chance to go get it. So I think the opportunity will be there for Charleston Rambo to have a big game. So I'll go with him. Let's just go to like keys, keys to the game. And we've touched on some already. Um, I'll start here and I'll, I'll bring up, you know, I think Miami needs to try and make, and this is easier said than done, but they need to try and make North Carolina's offense play left-handed, so to speak, by I don't know, bracketing Josh down somehow, uh, you know, double covering him, whatever it takes. Um, you know, Josh Downs is still going to get his yards, still going to get his targets and all that. Uh, but they can't let him get 100 yards and a touchdown, right? Yeah. Um, which is essentially what he's been averaging all season. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know how they do it, but they need to try and force Sam Howe to feed the ball to his outside receivers that he is afraid to feed the ball to. Um, well, let me ask you this, Gabby. Like, what would what would you like to see Miami do in terms of defending Josh Downs? Is there a specific corner that you think, hey, just follow Josh Downs all game long? Would you double cover him? What do you think? Yeah, I would probably double cover him. Um, you know, I would, I would almost like dare, I, I would almost just like leave like the corners, like again, man coverage on the outside. And I would put a lot of focus on, you know, whatever Josh Towns is doing in the middle of the field, you know, like he does a lot of, especially with the RPO looks, he'll do a lot of like quick looks where Sam Howell just sort of think, just like, Slants. Thinks yeah. Him. yeah, like, you know, you got to be able to just like, sort of be on him quickly, maybe try to get him off his, maybe have someone just like maybe pressing him a little bit, but have like, you know, you know, you have to have help right on top of him and stuff like that. Like, you know, I'd like to see, you know, a lot of different things, man. I think, I think that's what Georgia tech did really well. I mean, you look at just like his numbers in that game, eight cat, he still got his eight catches, 53 yards and one touchdown. You know, I thought that with Georgia tech's defensive game plan, which is a good um, game. Yeah, it was, for Georgia it, was, Tech. it was a huge game for Georgia Tech. And that's not a particularly great team. You know, they went like, a, right, I think right. this past week, they beat Duke by, you know, a touchdown or something like that. Like Georgia Tech's not this like, it's not littered with all Americans or anything like that. I think they just had a really strong defensive game plan and they were just highly efficient in, you know, getting it done. And I think a lot of that was zeroing in on Josh Downs and, uh, you know, you know, just really making him the priority of the defense. It seemed like he wasn't able to get a lot going really until the end of the game, which is when I think he scored. Um you know, I think that what I think that's got to be priority number one. Stop Josh Downs, and if those outside guys beat you, 
I mean, I think yes, you tip your cap tip because your cap. I mean, if yep. I, if I want anyone beating me, I want it to be that Morales guy, 83, um, or this other dude. I don't even know the guy's name. Um, I don't well, want one of the to be guys. So Emery Simmons is one. Uh, one. He he's been he's been dealing with, I believe, some drop issues um, this season. Uh, another guy is is. I think it's Chaffrey Brown is how it's pronounced. He's Diami Brown's Brown's younger brother. He is very dynamic. Like just like Diami, he has elite speed. Um, But on the year, Chaffrey Brown only has six targets and one reception, which went for a 75 yard touchdown. Um, And then Antoine Green is another outside guy, uh, kind of a bigger guy. Uh, he has 17 targets, 10 receptions for 212 yards. So he's averaging uh, 21 yards per catch. Um, but again, the targets aren't necessarily there for the other outside guys or for the other receivers in general. And so I would force in any way I could to make Sam Howe look away from Josh Downs. Cause also yeah. too, when he looks, when, you know, Josh Downs isn't open. It also leads to sacks because he yeah. does. He just holds onto the ball for a long time, yeah. um, or, or takes Sam off. Sam being a little bit loose with the ball. I mean, in that Georgia Tech game, he he fumbled the ball three times. Right. I mean, I feel like I feel like if you hit him, there's a chance that you could take it away from him. Which corner do you feel like like on Miami's defense? Which corner would like? Let's say they're going to man up Josh Downs. Who would you pick? Dang, I maybe. I don't like Tyreek on him. No, Tyreek, I think, needs to be the outside guy. Maybe Unless, like a Corey Couch, if you have some I think help. Corey is the best option, yeah. Because I don't want to see – what I'm worried about is that they put Gervin Hall on him, and that's – I'm just going to – I'm just going to be like, hey, David, let me know when uh, the post-game press conference starts. Because <laughs> if, if, if Gervin Hall comes and starts covering the slot again, that's not going to work. The double-edged sword with Corey Couch there, right, is, is most likely that puts Corey in the nickel. Yeah, which means he's closer to the line of scrimmage, which means the chance of North, help him. Yeah, right. North Carolina is going to run at him, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, it's interesting. I don't know what the, like. I could see Tyreek having some success if he's able to jam him up. Yeah, like, he's got to. If if that's the case, it's just got to be like extremely physical at the line of scrimmage. He's like got to jam him. Just him get up. him off his route, and then you have to have like a safety or someone like kind of on like right on top of him too. Absolutely. But if Josh Downs gets by him, like that's a Tyreek and, and everyone, let's be real. Like no one's yeah. going to be able to run with Josh Downs. So interesting. What are you, what are you highlighting for a key to the game? Yeah, I think it's just, um, I think it's get. I think it's just slowing down the offense early again. Like, I mean, David, we were talking about this pre-show, one of the worst, just really second quarter teams that, that I've seen, I mean, against Virginia tech, uh, zero points in the second quarter, uh, zero points at the half. Against Virginia, even they had 21 points in the first quarter, three points in the half against Georgia Tech, zero points in the second quarter, seven points at halftime against Florida State, zero points in the second quarter, 10 points at the half. So, I mean, I think that is the recipe to keeping this game close with Virginia. And each one of those four games I just mentioned, North Carolina was losing at halftime. Um, so, you know, I think the key, one of the, like, you know, just of like really what I'm looking for, the key, one of the keys to the game for me is just, do not let them establish that offense early. Do not let them get rolling. You cannot let them find a rhythm early on. Um, 
you gotta you gotta find a way to just keep them keep them just behind the sticks all constantly and you know that's that's going to be the challenge for Miami is just don't let North Carolina score really like even against Florida State they had a drive in the red zone um they they forced them to a field goal like things like that where it's just like don't let them pile up those trips to the end zone uh like we saw a lot from them last year what we saw what we've seen from them at times this year but they have struggled typically and I think Miami needs to find a way to you know to force them to continue to struggle I mean that's that's got to be the challenge for my for Manny Diaz and you know that's it's something that they've played into it's not going to be like this is something that they haven't done. This is something that, you know, very uncharacteristic of them. Like this is going to be tough for Miami. Like this is who they've been. And Miami Diaz needs to find a way to force his defense to allow that. Well, just to force them to keep being that sort on of the inconsistent flip side, offense. On the flip side. And I agree. Right. But Miami is also a slow starting team. Yeah. Generally speaking during the Manny Diaz era, also a slow starting team coming off bye weeks. Right. Yeah. So I agree. Like, it's going to be interesting. How does, how does Miami play in this first quarter? And uh, like you mentioned, does Miami keep fighting, keep swinging in the second quarter? Cause like you're alluding to North Carolina, maybe dips a little bit in the second quarter for whatever reason. Um, one key I'll highlight, you touched on this a little bit with, with Jafari Harvey, uh, guy needing to step up i'll go with you know i think the potential is there for this interior defensive line miami's uh to have a nice day from what i've seen a little bit of north carolina um the twist and stunt game gives north carolina's offensive line issues um and so i'm looking at miami's athletic defensive tackles Jared Harrison Hunt, who's yeah. back this week, Nesta, and Leonard Taylor to get to Sam Howell in these twist and stunt games, mm-hmm. right? right. Uh, UNC's offensive line has had some issues passing off twists and stunts. Um, we've also seen that from Miami at times over the last couple of years. Um, but it is effective against this North Carolina offensive line. And so um, I'm curious if they can get Sam Howell under some pressure. Um, and another thing I'll highlight too, and this, this kind of builds on you, you uh, highlighting Jalen Knight and the need to get him going. Uh, you know, first down offense is going to be so important against this North Carolina defense. Um, and, and one of the reasons why, you know, North Carolina, the trend for North Carolina this year is they keep losing to these athletic dual threat quarterbacks is because, Athletic dual threat quarterbacks, generally speaking, have the ability to pick up four or five yards at a time on first down, whether it's, you know, zone read, which North Carolina is struggling to defend or scrambling for those four or five yards. And that sets up easy third down situations. Um, So against these dual threat quarterbacks that North Carolina has faced this year, they've really struggled to get the opposing offenses behind the chains. Um, And again, we're not expecting Tyler Van Dyke to have some dynamic rushing game. If he does, that's a very good sign for Miami, of course. Um, But, you know, at the same time, Miami can make up for that lack of dynamic dual threat ability at quarterback by just establishing the run, right? Which 
they haven't necessarily been able to do for an entire game this year. Um, they showed glimpses of it in the second half against Virginia. And like you're, like you're alluding to, Gabby, hopefully uh, Jalen Knighton finds that rhythm no longer going down with some shoestring tackles that got him to the ground against Virginia. And uh, he's able to have some consistency and some success against this North Carolina run defense, which has been up and down this year. Anything else you want to touch on keys of the game? No, I think that's good on my end. Okay. Let's get into some over-unders, just stuff I've set for the game. Some numbers that I think will, you know, determine the outcome of the game. So let's start defensively, right? Miami gets three and a half sacks over under, you know, we've talked about how in the wins for North Carolina, they've done a good job of limiting the sacks and the losses. The opposing defense has kind of piled up sacks. So what are you expecting for Miami? Three and a half. Yeah. I'm going to go under um, again. I don't, oh. I don't, yeah. Brutal. I think that's a, a little hint on where we're going. You think towards. three? Yeah, I think three, I think maybe, two. I don't know. I just, I feel like we haven't seen it, man. And I feel like with these, like you mentioned, David, like when Sam Howell gets moving, like, are you going to be able to, you can get to the quarterback, but can you bring him down? Like, can you actually right. finish the play? I don't know if we, like, we haven't seen that. Like I, I can't sit here and, and I think it's there. I think the opportunities to get over three and a half sacks are going to be there, but it's just like, are you going to finish? And until I see it, I just can't sit here and say, yeah, like they're going to get over. I agree. I'll take the under two. And I think adding on to that, you know, a big key in terms of racking up sack numbers is also stopping the run. So if you stop the run, generally speaking, that puts offenses in situations where they have to pass the ball. And that allows you to pin your ears back, of course. So I'm also skeptical of Miami's run defense still, you know, they allowed a Virginia offense that was stinky, you know, when it came to running the ball, they allowed Virginia to run for, I think, like 181 yards. Um, don't think that's a good sign moving forward. Next over under Miami, the Miami Hurricanes run for 175 yards against this North Carolina defense. Yeah, I'm going to go under also. Um, I don't know, man. Again, uh, I feel like with these teams that have really got, got like, you know, gashed them with the run. A lot of it has come from the quarterback. Um, yeah. I'm Miami doesn't have that. Uh, again, I don't know if we're going to have two guys like two, two or, I mean, maybe I guess three guys, probably most likely two guys in Cameron Harris and Jalen Knight that are going to get all the way up there. And I would, I think it would be, I think it would be a really good thing if they eclipse that, but, um, I'm not expecting them to go over 175 right now. I agree. I'll take the under, uh, Tyler Van Dyke throws for 250 yards over under. I'm going to go over. Uh, I think that, you know, hopefully after that second half of the Virginia game where he sort of found his footing a little bit, uh, you get the whole vibe to sort of pair and all that stuff. I think you have good weapons all, uh, around him that are, you know, just continuing to grow and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I think that again, North Carolina's defense has struggled when, uh, with, with that, with, with uh, the pass as well. So I'll go over, I don't know how much over, but I think I'll go over 250. I'll go over two, you know. I think, like you say, uh, North Carolina's past defense has struggled some this year. Um, Josh Downs, the slot wide receiver for North Carolina, over under 
and they have to hit on both, right? So a hundred yards and half a touchdown. So basically what we're asking is, will Josh Downs get a hundred yards and a touchdown or under a hundred yards and potentially a touchdown or not a touchdown? Yeah, no, I'll take the over hundred percent. I think he's one of the most dynamic pass catchers in the country. Um, He's basically done it against everyone minus Georgia tech. Um, I will, I'll comfortably say the over there. I will, I'll go under for some reason. It makes no sense. I think he could hit the over on one of those. Yeah. But I'll, I'll take the under just cause I don't know if he'll hit both. Yeah. Again, I don't have any, I really don't like what Miami's past defense, their coverage is doing this year. So I don't feel great about this, but since it's like a two part over under, I'll take the under just cause why not? I don't know. So let's go to score predictions. Um, we'll get closer to wrapping this up. We'll get into some betting line thoughts and other thoughts as well, but score predictions, Gabby, you lead it off. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to give North Carolina like 38, 27 win. Um, you know, I just, I feel like I haven't seen enough from Miami. I don't think that I don't think Miami matches up super well against them. I feel like when a team typically has a guy, um, even if he's the only guy, I feel like that guy typically kind of does his thing in a way. Uh, I'm, I think Josh Downs is extremely explosive. I think he's, you know, I mean, we, we saw it from Jameson Williams against Alabama. Like he's sort of like their guy and sort of like did what he wanted to do with that. It's just like that speed. I think Josh Downs is built very similar, similarly in terms of just explosiveness. So I'm really worried about what he does. Um, and again, I'm just, I'm not sold that Miami is going to come out swinging you know and be ready to sort of like punch north carolina in the mouth by coming out the gate right um you know again i don't think north carolina is a particularly great team either like this isn't even like a like a oh i think north carolina is just a better team like i'm not sure about that i'm just not certain that miami matches up super well they're very beatable yeah. I, I do think they're beatable but i think miami is really beatable too and um you know again i just need to see it man i need to see it and um so for that reason i'll probably give north carolina an edge in this one I will go North Carolina 35, Miami 24. Um, again, I, I just echo a lot of the same points you just made. I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think Miami necessarily matches up well against this North Carolina team. Um, I would feel better if it was a healthy De'Eric King, you know, just for that much, dual much threat. Better. Much Yeah, better. mainly, you know, the dual threat ability, right? Because yeah. North Carolina has really struggled with that. Um, And I do wonder, you know, about the locker room going into this game, right? Um, And and I do think this game is going to tell us a lot about just the mentality and state of the team, state of the locker room right now. Um, You know, I think the first quarter is going to be very telling. You know, we've touched on how Manny Diaz struggles coming off of bye weeks or extra time to prepare. Um, And in general, too, you know, Miami's a front running team. And I, I mean that in the sense of both in games, you know, first quarter, we kind of know what, what the game's going to be after the first quarter. Right. Um, we've seen that the last two years against North Carolina, the last two years, North Carolina has come out, punched Miami in the mouth. Miami kind of fought their way back into the game and had a chance to win it two years ago. Um, didn't go their way. And then Last year, North Carolina came out, punched Miami in the mouth, and, and Miami just folded. Uh, 
So Miami's a front-running team, both in the sense of in games, and I also feel like they're a front-running team, you know, during the course of a season. Um, this hasn't been a team or a program that shows much fight once things go south, and you know that's something Manny Diaz and or whoever the next head coach is. I think that's an issue that needs to be addressed culturally with Miami. Um, just the need to fight uh, through adverse situations, whether that's in a game or that's during the course of a season when the results aren't going your way. Um, but yeah, 35-24, again, North, North Carolina is what I'm going with. Let's just talk about like if Miami wins, it is because, you know, and, and some of the talking points. I think one is, you know, Jalen Knight and Cameron Harris get going running the ball. That's fair to say, right? Yeah. I think another one would be Tyler Van Dyke takes the next step oh, absolutely. forward off of that solid performance against Virginia. I think, too, Gabby, another reason with Miami wins would be the young guys kind of take the next step coming off that bye week. You know, yeah. it's time to take the training wheels off of these guys. We're in game six, and I'm talking about guys like Romillo Brinson, Richard Smith, Elijah Arroyo, Leonard Taylor. I would even include like Chance Williams in that group, yeah. even though and he's James Williams of, and Cam Kitchens too. Those guys are playing a ton. James Williams, Cam Kitchens, you know, time for these guys to step up. I think, you know, that, that infamous fight in practice had a lot to do with these younger guys going to get more playing time. Um, and so they got to take advantage of this playing time and make plays. And then I think another reason Miami wins, uh, Miami could win, Defense, you know, they got to start making plays, turnovers yeah, absolutely. and sacks, right? Yeah. They missed a lot of those opportunities against Virginia. If those opportunities are there against North Carolina, you got to make plays. Let's, let's wrap it up here with betting line thoughts, right? Uh, this is as of midday Thursday. North Carolina is a seven and a half point favorite. I think the line opened at six and a half, if I have that right. The over under is 63 points. Do you like, are you pounding the table for any one of those bets? And if not, which one of those bets do you like more? I mean, I probably like the, honestly, I, I might take the over um, just because I think that, again, I, I do think North, I think this is going to be a game that North Carolina scores um, just based on sort of what we've seen from Miami. Uh, so I do, I do like the potential of maybe this game sort of going over because I do think Miami is going to have a chance to score as well. Um, so I think that there could be points in this one. Um, I don't like the spread either way. I, I think if I were betting it right now, I might take North Carolina minus seven and a half, but I feel like I can be talked off of that very easily. Um, yeah. Of the two, I probably like the over better, David. I'm sure you do. You, um, do you like the under? I like the under. Yeah. I feel like we've just, kind of, I mean, we've been, we've been like contrasting <laughs> over unders. My, my predicted score is under, I think my predicted score is 59. Um, but I think the over could be there too. I mean, both these defenses aren't very good. Yeah. I could see this um, game being in the thirties somewhere. And that's why I think the, the over um, could possibly hit. I think, and I keep saying this, but it's true. Like I honestly would not bet this game because yeah, no, I would not. Not only is Miami unpredictable, I think North Carolina is also very unpredictable. North Carolina so is have, equally as unpredictable, if not more unpredictable, because they've shown both. 
Right. Like Miami sort of just been who they've been, but North Carolina has shown as I had like the 60 point outings. And then they've had like the, like the 19 points, like, no, like the nothing, like the 10 point outings. So right. it's just like North Carolina's like margins are just like way wider. Miami's just kind of sort of been very average to like yes. mediocre. But then Miami yeah. also, I feel like at any given time can just be like, all right, because they're talented. I feel like they're a talented team. At any time they can just be like, all right, and this is who we are now, and they can win this game. Who knows? Both like, teams, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, both teams are talented. Both teams are underachieving for whatever reason. And so, I mean, that's why I would not bet this game unless you just need the sweat that get, you need that rush, right? Yeah, you just need sweat to be just an adrenaline junkie. This needs so, to go through it. We'll wrap it up there. Uh, again, we hope we are wrong with our prediction. Uh, we never like to predict Miami losing, no. but we always keep it real, uh, give you our thoughts. And um, we will have an instant reaction podcast following the game. So till next time, everyone, take care. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for supporting this podcast and supporting InsideTheU.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.